What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, folks? Today on the show, we are joined by India Waters, based in Atlanta, Georgia. She's a community management expert with a deep appreciation for startups. She got her start running community at Memoir, a New York-based startup that built a photo sharing app. The startup eventually pivoted to focus on photo sharing for the wedding industry and was later acquired by The Knot, one of the biggest wedding brands. India currently leads growth and technology partnerships at Message Gears, a customer marketing platform for enterprise customers. India, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us today. Yes, I'm so happy to be here, y'all. So let's uh, let's actually start by taking you back to some of your earliest uh, startup days. Walk us through like the early days at Memoir. I read that you guys got two rounds of funding with some uh, pretty prominent investors, and you actually spent a lot of time there, uh, considering like how short of a stint people usually do in startups. You spent like four and a half years there. And I'm sure cha- things change pretty quickly. So yeah, walk us through some of those early days. I feel like it's kind of when people do home renovations, and at the end of it, they're like, "Man, if we'd known how hard it was, like." we might not have done it, but we're happy we did it. Um, so I don't know. I, I did not know what I was getting into starting to work at memoir, but I can so vividly remember my first day. Um, I'd also just freshly moved to New York city from Vail, Colorado, which like, if you know, Vail, it's a tiny ski town. And then everyone knows New York, like everything was such a, like a huge pivot, which is very, um, well, it's fitting for my life. But anyways, I just remember walking in and then being like, okay, our office is at this location, like come up, we'll buzz you in, whatever. And like, I just totally was unprepared for literally everything that was about to happen. We were a small startup that was working out of a boardroom of another startup. <laughs> um, and I was just like, mm, okay. Like, and that was just like the perfect metaphor for like everything throughout that. Like, we are going to scrap our way to like have free office space in another startup. Um, and it just got, it was like immediately humbling, you know, like, I think I was like, I'm moving to the city. I've got like a really important job. And it was like, you know what, this is going to be important, but also like stay humble. There's no job that is like too big or too small. Like, and when you're a startup like that, like truly you're making massive decisions that impact the whole entire like company, but also like taking the trash out. Um, yeah, that's kind of my whole feeling of working at startups. And I love that feeling too. It's kind of like, I don't know, kind of how we operate within my own family. It's like, you know, I don't know, my parents wouldn't ask me to do anything that like they wouldn't do or, you know, so it's like, Hey, like, you know, do the dishes. It's like, yeah, we're all going to do the dishes. (laughs) I think that's what draws me to startups continually. So it's just, if it's okay, I'd like to ask about the two rounds of funding. So you were, I'm assuming you were the sole marketer to get started, but two rounds of funding, it brings in a lot of people. Talk us through the growth and what, what people can expect in, in their own careers if they're sole marketer with two rounds coming down the pipe. Yeah. Um, so, okay. We, I wasn't there for the first round, um, but I came in after the first round and we were in that a boardroom of another startup with like no windows. And then after the second one, we got to graduate to our own office space. Nice. And we moved from 
uh, we had, I'm trying to think there was four of us in that boardroom. Um, and then, so that, and then we were able to double in size at one point we were 12 people that was like at our largest. Um, so yeah, I mean, going from four people to 12 people, um, was exciting getting our own office space. Um, and I know those are very like menial and tangential, but like, and it felt like, we're making it, we're doing it. And it put a little bit of a, like, this is, this is for real now. Um, and sort of just going through the growth, like, um, when you really are kind of a team of one, like we just really hired more developers after that. So it still wasn't like more on my team. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I don't know, I, I think, it, it added to have more developers on there and in there and, and it added pressure, but it was very, um, I don't know. It gave like a realness to it. You know, when you're working out of a boardroom out of another startup, you're kind of like, this is playland. But when you see like, oh, these, all these other people are like counting on us to like, you're, it's kind of like my department was like, the only part that was like showing any revenue. So it's like, everyone's looking at you. It's sort of like in any company where like developers are like looking at the sales team, like, well, what are you, you know, what are y'all doing? And it's like, when it's just looking at you um, and I'm also acting as like, um, you know, customer service to people who are using the app. Um, So it was kind of a a mind trick where you're like, I need to sell this. We need to start uh, creating revenue, but I'm also like, also getting like the direct feedback from mm-hmm. the actual users who are like either really happy or sometimes like really mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like, you are feeling the, the pressure from people who are mad. And then you're like, but we need to sell this like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I know that doesn't really like speak too much to the raising. It was really, you know, cause the founders really like did most of the raising and like talking to the investors and all that. I do remember them saying like for their first round, they were like, we never had to build a deck. And I was like, (laughs) interesting. Yeah. Okay. I was like, that's not, yeah. How, how times have changed. Yeah. Big time, big time. That's probably bringing some uh, PTSD for John there. Uh, John was at Clifolio like really, really early days. And like both of us uh, had a stint there. And like, I feel like, you know, startups are, are close to our hearts as well. And like uh, one thing that I'm really curious to, to hear about, like your early days at Memoir, and I know you guys kind of pivoted uh, to vary and like focused on more of like a niche industry after that, like this whole like changing strategies, changing target customers. Like that's just like something that happens like very often in a startup. You need to like be very hybrid and kind of like adapt to stuff really quickly. Walk us through like some of those like decisions or like days where you're just like, all right, like one day we're like memoir and we're selling this to basically everyone. Cause everyone can like take pictures with their app or with their phone. And then like the next day, like now I'm trying to like carve out a niche in like the wedding industry and like uh, walk us through like the, the decision-making process there. Yeah, it was wild um, with our like original photo sharing app. So we started off with memoir, which was like a memories sort of um, uh, some of, some of the functionalities was like time hop ish. Um, and then we pivoted from that to the more of like the photo sharing at parties, um, which we actually called Flamingo for a while. Hmm. Um, and I, we ran this sort of wild, um, like college, uh, 
ambassador program, like across the United States. Like I think we had at one time, like 30 schools with like ambassadors at each school. And I, it was sort of, that was definitely a wild ride. Like we'd send them like, um, like a swag kit and then like, you know, I think we even like sponsored a party at one or two schools. Um, and just really, you know, it was like, at the time when I was living in New York and working at this startup, this is actually when Silicon Valley, the show came out oh, and yeah. I like couldn't watch it because it was too, <laughs> I was like, this is real. Like, cause you know, you, like, they're like, what does it do? And we're like, we're going to see what the users do with it, you know? Yeah. And like, and that was like, I remember there was like an episode and they were like, well, what is it? And they were like, we're going to see what it, we're building. Like we yeah. don't know. That. And I, <laughs> I, that like shook me to my core. I was like, I actually can't watch this show because it's not funny to me. Um, <laughs> this is my life. Um, but so we watched that. We like learned and saw like like our highest users. We took a lot of like the product data and stuff and just kind of tried to understand like who are the power users, blah, 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 blah. But the real turning point was that uh, one of our founders got married and we used the app mm. at her wedding. And she like woke up in the morning and was able to get, she had like, you know, over 900 photos or something from the night before. And it's like that feeling of like, you know, you've had this big lead up to like, you know, a really big day in your life and you immediately want to relive it. And like, she was like, that's it. That's the money. This is what we need to do. Um, so that was like, we actually had, you know, two like pretty big pivots um, while at that company. So that was like, we all came and we were all like at that wedding as well. And we were all like, this is the, this is it. So then we pivoted Flamingo. So it was like memoir to Flamingo. And then um, their original uh, product that they had started um, while in Techstars, they had just like gotten the domain for Very V E R I, and we were like, like let's just do this. We have this name Very, like it's like very beautiful wedding, very lovely, like whatever. And so we went back to Very, um, and that's when it really like took off. Like it's just anything with giving like a focus and seeing like where there is true product market fit. Like then every like slogging through the mud becomes like a little easier and then easier. And then you're just sliding through, <laughs> but yeah, that was my experience with it. Super cool journey. So like how, how different is it now? Like being at message gears and having already like joining a team that has product market fit, like selling a marketing tool to marketers and like customer marketers, like walking in there where you just like, wow, like this is so nice. Like, did they have personas already and stuff? Like it must've been like such a, a big change of pace, right? Yeah. You know, what's really funny though. It's like the two tools message gears and Barry are like so wildly different. Like, <laughs> but it be any, like, in the, I mean, I guess they could be more different, but like in the technology world, they're uh, the opposite ends of the spectrum. And I've honestly had a bit of a similar experience. Cause when I did start at message gears while they were like 30 people, it was still very similar. Like most of the company was engineers, um, NCS, like our client solutions team. And they were really just kind of recently, like starting to build out the sales and marketing team. And we went through very similar pains, like who are our personas? And, um, we were just a little bit at the time when I joined messengers, we were like, what do they say? What's that metaphor? Like we were ahead of the puck or the puck was ahead of us. <laughs> um, and we were like, you know, slinging some software that like the world was like starting to understand. 
Um, and a few people like got it, like our original customers, like Expedia, um, and Rakuten rewards, like they, they got what we were like, what we were spitting. And so when I started, I, I like learned the tool. I understood, like, I like got to know the marketplace, whatever. And I would tell marketers about our tool and they'd be like, I don't know if I like get it. And between the time from me starting four years ago and now it is drastically different. Like we like we're catch like the, the marketing world is catching up to like what our paradigm shift is and like what our differentiator is at message gears. And like when, as we hire new people and like we're hiring so many people, I tell them this, I'm like, look, like it is crazy to talk to someone about message gears today versus four years ago. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, like, I don't get it. Or why would you do it that way? Like, it's like so amazing. And that's actually what just like makes me like so excited to like continue working in message gears. Cause like it's to go, it's just, yeah. The hardships of four years ago pitching. And then now everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Like, yeah, understood. And truly it's like a a complete night and day. So it is a similar trajectory. Do you want to speak a little bit like for our audience as well about like what is the marketplace for message gears? Like what is the problem that you guys are solving and, and how has that market shifted? Yeah. So, um, message gears is a marketing, um, customer marketing platform. Um, and our original tool is an ESP that means like a email service provider. So just think of like, um, marketing emails you get in your Gmail. Um, we have customers like home Depot and Best Buy and, um, Expedia. And what we're solving for is, um, our competitors like Salesforce marketing cloud or Oracle responses, they were built way before message gears and they require a copy of customer data to live within their tool. Um, and that's not like when they were built, that was needed because there were not modern data warehouses like Snowflake or Google BigQuery. And since those have been created, like new marketing tools can be built because um, they can handle querying. So message gears is big differentiator is that we don't have to have a copy of that customer data. Um, and we're solving for big companies are wasting a ton of money having to move and copy data into all their marketing tools. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you just imagine there's just <laughs> companies have a lot of marketing tools and each tool has to have a copy of this data. So you just imagine that can be, um, you're not working off the most up-to-date data. You're having to pay to store that data in all these tools. Um, and if you're ever trying to like run analytics, like what's working, what's not, you have all these different uh, silos of data that aren't matching up and you can't get a clear story of like, what are our customers like? What do they want? We, you can't tell this customer story and deliver a really amazing experience to them. So message gears, instead of having a copy of data that lives within our ESP, um, we just plug directly into wherever our customers like. Open Table, T-Mobile, Party City, wherever they store their customer data, which is mm-hmm. most cases is like Snowflake or Google BigQuery or Redshift, sometimes like Databricks. We just plug directly into there um, yeah. and we use that for our source of truth. So they can have the best analytics. They can have a really good experience by using the most up-to-date data. Because um, like inherently when you copy data, that means it's out of date. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's the problem we're solving for. That's our big differentiator. And 
to be honest, like truly telling someone that four years ago, they were like, but our data lives in our ESP <laughs> and I'm like it's somewhere else though. And it's having to get in there. And they're like, mm, I don't think so. And I'm like, okay, you know, like I can't, you know, you, you yeah. can, it's now it's just sort of like interesting to, we were just having to be thought leaders for so long and mm -hmm. like tell people about this approach. And now everyone's like, we see, we get it. It, okay. it definitely feels like one of those problems you have to feel before you yes. get it. And then once you exactly. get it, you're like, oh yeah, this is like, you just mentioned a single source of truth. Like uh, in my experience as an operations consultant, like these marketing automation CRM platforms become like, just like cluttered with all this data. So true. Yeah. yeah. Just remember like some of the earliest days, like using Marketo and like syncing that data to Salesforce and like the bi-directional sync, like even just being like an hour delay or like a two hour delay. And like, I think like part of the challenge that you guys have is that like communicating it in a way that like, I really get the value prop when you say like, it's not like a copy of your data set. We're just like connecting to it and like, we're like working off of it. But like when, like, let's speak like a bit technically, like, let's say that like a user is using something like customer IO or Pardot and like, it's connecting to their data warehouse and like to them, like, it's not really a copy of the database because like it's an API query, right? Like we're, we're connecting to it, like via API, like whatever happens in BigQuery, like that gets updated in like customer IO or like whatever other tool. So like when you say that it's like built on top of the data warehouse or it's like connected to it, someone who's used to APIs is just like, yeah, like I'm connected to my BigQuery already. Like what is the difference between like an API connection versus like an on-premise software like message gears? Yeah. So we, well, just so like before I forget to correct this, we do have a cloud portion of our tool that does rendering and sending, which actually allows us to, um, because our cloud is not bogged down with so much customer data, it actually allows us to have the highest throughput and uh, like build that into our contracts as a, like a service level agreement. Say like we are able to send the, the amount of throughput that we're allowed to push with, that we can push through is above everyone else because we're not bogging down our cloud with customer data. So we do have a cloud component. So we're not fully on-prem we're like hybrid, but okay. I mean, I mean, I know what it means, but <laughs> um, but to go back to your original question of like someone who thinks about like, oh, my, my data is, is up to date, it's via API. The, if you're thinking about Salesforce and Pardot, it, that, like for a small to medium-sized business, setting up individual APIs to access that real-time data is not a big deal. Like it's not that huge of a heavy lift. But even if we just keep this example on the small to medium-sized business or like example, you're, you're going to be updating your Salesforce environment to add new fields regularly or occasionally. And then you're having to get in your tech team's queue to add that API to then add into Pardot. They don't automatically update. And then you like, you know, if you've ever plugged in any other type of like um, sales tools into your Salesforce environment, um, like the matching of fields is like, really like complicated. And it's just yeah. like, you're trying to force a square peg into a round hole. Is that what I said? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like even just now, like on a, on a sales level or, or, um, you know, we're a small business, um, messengers, a small business. And the fact that we're running into these issues between syncing between like sales loft, Salesforce, Pardot, um, we use some um, sales tool called like demand base, like the syncing of all of those 
on a small business side is already getting complicated. So imagine that for a Best Buy or a Home Depot that has like so many SKUs, so many customers, a bunch of data that you can have on first party data that they're collecting, you know, on their customers, it gets complicated quick. Mm -hmm. And if you're having to match up, ugh, like in, you know, Google BigQuery, we call it first.name. And then in this, in Salesforce, they call it like, it's all one word first name. Like that is just like, but imagine a bajillion million times, like that is super complicated and it just gets super hairy. So to have message gears, just essentially be a view into your modern data warehouse, like what you see, what they've have invested in this modern data warehouse, what they've set up as their schema, what they've decided to name their schemas. That is exactly what is reflected in message gears while also not having to pay to store that data in message gears while also like, you know, the, there's all these new data privacy laws and, you know, in some of the evaluations that we go through, it's, it's funny because you'll sometimes encounter someone who like still doesn't get it. They're like, yeah, but like for, for PII data, like, you know, what are we doing with that? Like, how do we make sure it's not getting synced mm-hmm. into your platform? And we're like, Ooh, we still have someone that's not getting it. Like we're not storing any of the data. Yeah. So we don't even, you know, and, and like HIPAA compliance and stuff like that. It's like, it almost doesn't apply to us because it, it doesn't because we don't store any data. Um, right. So it's funny that you kind of still, people are trying to fit us into an old uh, box and yeah. Anywho. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, very much. It, it, it very much ties into some of like, uh, we've got a question here on community led growth that I want to ask you, but like, it's also tied into product led growth, the idea that marketers are trying to work with people who are in the product in the moment, like waiting on a two hour sync that may or may not have real data coming while your customers are floundering in your product. Like a lot of opportunity here to, to kind of, I think product led and community led often go hand in hand because you have a lot of the data, you know, from the product side and the engagement. And you mentioned about the brand ambassadors uh, talk a little bit about community led growth and what it looked like 10 years ago, what it looks like today and, and, and how you think uh, community led growth is, is evolving. Yeah. Um, I mean, Community-led growth like 10 years ago was, and I can only speak from my experience. I mean, I, I've never like the word bootstrap for, for like memoir Flamingo Very couldn't have been like more of like what we were doing. Like Mm -hmm. truly like I, whether it was starting the brand ambassador program across the U S at colleges or you know, when we pivoted to vary the wedding photo sharing app, I was truly going into like Instagram and like finding people via like hashtags, like uh, at bachelorettes, because I was like, we need people who are about to get married. Mm-hmm. And so like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was so scrappy <laughs> and then like finding like, so I would do that and like DM people like all day, just being like, Hey, we'd love you to try this app. Hey, we'd love you to try this app. Any, and like, and I was, when I was there, I was like, gosh, I think I'm still in it, but people like my friends are getting married, like left and right. And so I'd be like, Hey, will you use this at your wedding? Like, you know, literally. So friends, family, reaching out to people on Instagram. Um, I would even just search for like open, like, you know, uh, wedding announcements or wedding websites through like literally the not. Um, so like any of that, and just like, truly like it was one-to-one and it was like 
we did start to pick up a little bit more word of mouth, which was like a breath of fresh air. And then we could mm -hmm. focus a little bit more back on the product. We had to get people to use it to get their feedback so that we could make a good tool. Um, that's honestly how our community led growth went at very. Um, and now, I mean, I'm, I'm not as close to the, like maybe what we would consider like on our marketing team to be a community led growth. But for me and my role where I'm in, uh, technology partnerships, I, I find like connecting with our technology partners, like Moobling, Snowflake, Rudderstack, Continual, Roebling. Um, there's so many having them understand who message gears is and how we play together and how we are good partners. And then essentially then that's where the, what's it called? It just starts to grow because mm -hmm. they're, they're mentioning message gears and um, we're mentioning them too back, like our partners. So the more people that can kind of sell on your behalf is a little bit how I personally am in, involved in the like community led growth, but it's truly just like the more people that know and the more people that like get it. Um, and it's best when it's like a partner that also has like the same, um, value prop, you know, like a warehouse first technology, which truly like Snowflake is starting to write about. They're calling it like a connected app um, architecture. Um, and the fact that like, they're just now starting to write about it again, it's like another breath of fresh air where like a huge company like Snowflake is starting to talk about the way that the reason we were built and like, mm -hmm. they're like essentially trying to encourage other technologies to be built like we are. It's like, whoa, this is really cool. I love it. I love I love what you're walking through. Like I think a lot of marketers get a little nervous when it comes to actually the one-to-one -one conversations that happen. I know I I'm not always the first one to jump out, a bit of an introvert. Um, but I think it's really important. Like if you're not actually interacting with your community, there's not going to be a community there. Like you got to be there too. Yeah, and I mean I know we talked a little bit about sort of like Slack communities, but I mean I'm if I like pull up, you know, I'm like in like the Rudderstack community, the CDP community, um, email geeks community, and then also like my workspace. Um, and it is definitely like, I don't know if I've been able to like crack the code and like a systemic way to completely be present there, but we definitely like, you know, we have a few members on our client solutions teams who are like, they're just mega experts and they're just so smart and are able to really, really help people with their like problems that they're asking solutions for. And so we just try to be there as experts in those communities. Um, and if they happen to want to buy our software, that's cool too, but we just <laughs> yeah. really want to be like, really be who we are, which is, you know, like good, fun, nice people. And if someone has a question and we can help them with it, like let's help them. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. I'm in a few of those, uh, Slack communities too. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like looking at the, the ticker of like notifications there, it can, can get overwhelming pretty fast, but I, it's cool that you mentioned like, um, the, the technology partnerships role that you're, you're kind of at right now at message gears. I wanted to like chat a bit about like some of the different roles that you've had there because you were actually promoted into that role from, from a couple of different roles. Um, looking at your LinkedIn, like there seems to be like four different roles. Like you started in kind of like market research, biz dev, 
dev and that moved over into like growth management. And then you became senior growth manager and now you're assistant or associate director of technology partnerships. Oftentimes like folks will leave a company nowadays to kind of get that promotion. And you're the perfect example of someone who's kind of like worked at the same company for four plus years now and has managed to like find different roles and different ways of like moving up in the company. Walk us through like some of the different roles and like how you were able to, to manage that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was actually talking about this with a friend last night and, um, I'll start with this. I think it, it speaks to like the company and how I definitely feel like just like a level of respect there. Like I respect, they really respect me and I really respect like all my colleagues and, and like truly like the company and like the, the ethos that we're built around. But, um, like just to kind of walk you through like the origin story of like India at message gears, like, you know, I came off this like high of New York and like getting acquired, which was like, honestly, it was like the fight of our lives, <laughs> you know, like it was <laughs> like so much. Um, so, and I, I was like, okay. Um, I was like, I could either stay in New York, forget how to drive and do my own laundry, or I could move home to Atlanta. And like, I've never lived there as an adult or here as an adult. And I was like, okay, let's try Atlanta. Um, and honestly, at the time, like, they're just like, it, it was kind of before like total tech scene in Atlanta was like really starting to take off. And I met with actually our CEO, Roger, just to kind of get a lay of the land of like startups in Atlanta. Cause I had in my head, I was like, I want to work for a 30 person startup and, and I like it to be in Atlanta. Like it, that was like truly the only like criteria I was like, really, I'd like to be able to have an idea and not have to be the only one that like executes on it. I'm like, <laughs> I just like want one person to help, you know, <laughs> something like that. Um, and just like, after talking with him, I will never forget. He was like, okay. Like, you know, he was like telling me about different companies and where he thought like I could fit into the, like the, the roles in the world. Cause like really head of community at the time was really more of like a, a B2C company role. And a lot of the stuff in Atlanta is, is more B2B companies. So he was like, just trying to help me see like where my balance could be used. But he looked at me and he was like, you know, I just, I think you just have some like grit and like, I really think you should work at message gears. And I like, in my mind, I was like, grit. Oh my God. Like, what did I say? Like, did I like cuss <laughs> or like, what kind of energy am I giving off? Like, you right. know, I was like, I thought, I was, anyways, I was like, to this day, I'm, I'm not sure what, what he was picking up anyways. And I was like, hmm, interesting. And he was like, look, we're not hiring like on our marketing team. Like, I think you kind of had your, your hopes up for or your, your mindset on, but we are hiring on our sales team. And I was like, ah, you know, I feel like everyone hears sales and it has like this, like, ugh. and, but I was like, you know what? Like it's the perfect, it's the size company I wanted. It's like, I really like the CEO. I like, I liked everybody that I met. And I was like, all right. And I really, honestly, just like, I started from the bottom again. And so I took like, a you know, an SDR role. And in that role, I literally just raised my hand for everything else that within the company that I thought I could do. And a lot of that stuff happened to be on the marketing team. Um, you know, whether it was like, you know, help planning events in Atlanta, I was like, yep, I'll help do that. And, um, I mean, just truly, and even if like they weren't asking for help, I'd be like, mm, like, I think this could, we could do some, do something better here. And like, I'm sure for a while they were like, this girl's super annoying. <laughs> um, but like, 
I just, I just interjected myself in any other project that I really wanted to be doing while, you know, really mastering my, my, my true purpose for being there was like trying to generate sales and stuff. But I just made sure I started really doing stuff that was like, like, you know, I always say like filling my, filling my bucket, filling my cup. Um, so I was, you know, making sure that I just got my foot in the door in other departments. And again, just trying to learn everything. Like I knew how to do at Barry. Um, I just wanted to have my hand in all the, all the pots and to be involved. So that's kind of like that original role. And since I just started raising my hand for everything, they were like, Ooh, we gotta, what's this, what's a new role for her. <laughs> um, and then that kind of grew into growth manager and senior growth manager where, I really was still like, I'm still under the sales team, but just available to kind of, you know, I wouldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm still truly under the sales umbrella, but really getting my, my hands dirty a little bit with some of the marketing stuff and just, um, you know, with partner marketing now I'm, I'm really helping like bring together our partners with all of our like webinars and whether we're working together at events and stuff like that. So still just keeping my hands in all the pots. Um, but really all that growth really, I think just came from the nature of the company where they, they want to see me grow. They have my back, but also raising my hand or just sneak, sneaking in the door and getting involved in there. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that answers your question. It's, um, not as hard of an answer, but it's, it's what happened. Yeah, Yeah. I think, I think you hit on some, like, you know, it's, it feels like conventional wisdom, right? If you want to grow in your career, raise your hand and and volunteer and and make yourself a bit of a nuisance when you've got an idea, but it's, you've probably seen it in your own career. It's not as common as you, as you think, right? And once you start raising your hands, uh, the next thing that happens, you get promoted and more responsibility and it's, it's generally an upward trajectory. Yeah. And I think it comes from me being able to have that appreciation, looking back on Barry saying like, cause I was looking for that one skill. I was looking for that one thing that was going to be like, you know, it was like that old, like I'm a lawyer. I know how to be a lawyer and like, or yeah. whatever it is. And I, I was looking for that. And then I was able to appreciate knowing how to do all the things. So I was asking someone, you know, the other day, like how, how they came up in their career. And they were like, they kind of had a, a, a different answer. They were like, I, I stayed in my lane and I got really good at this one thing. And I was like, mm-hmm yeah, there's all sorts of different roads to, to moving up and, and different career paths, but mine was, um, not as straight. It was more horizontal. Yeah. That's a super cool answer. I think like a lot of entry-level marketers think that like the best path forward is to just like double down on like the work that's assigned to them and do that work really, really well. But like you touched on, like you said it a few times, like raising your hand, like getting outside of that bubble of work that's being assigned to you and showing like your passion and like uh, your CEO called it grit. Like to me, that's just like showing your energy and like being able to like jump in and wear different hats. Like that's not like a role for, for anyone, especially in a startup. And uh, yeah, it definitely seems to have been uh, successful for you to thanks that thanks for sharing that john you want to round this out with uh the baby yeah. podcast question yeah well i heard a rumor we have a baby podcast i have lots of babies in my life but a podcast baby is especially exciting <laughs> you want to tell us a bit about that yeah um so uh it was a harebrained idea between me and my colleague danielle and we started a podcast at message gears called message gals. Um, and it's really just 
platform for uh, us to highlight women in tech, women in marketing. Um, we've had people from other technologies on, women in marketing. We've gone on having a few like allies on. Um, <laughs> but so far, I mean, I think we've only recorded maybe maximum like 10 episodes. We're definitely still ironing out the kinks. It's like when you start listening to any new podcast, like mm -hmm. this is probably the stupidest podcast ever, but I listened to the Always Sunny podcast and you could tell at the beginning, like they were just getting their feet underneath <laughs> them. And truly, I think at like episode eight, we were like, okay, we're, we're like getting a structure to this. And um, trying to understand like, you know, where we can fit and make sure that we're not, uh, I don't know, boring people and bringing something to the table. That's interesting. And it's usually just kind of, again, it's like asking, I think that was, I was asking someone on a podcast, like, you know, how did you get to this position? Like, like, what are your, what are your recommendations? And like, you know, mine's like, raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, um, and once you do raise your hand, if, even if you don't know how to do it, then you'll learn how to do it. Mm -hmm, and then you've exactly. got it. I'm just collecting little skills, not one big skill. Yeah, um, little P podcasting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's been really fun. I love it. It's sort of just like, it's kind of more of a creative outlet, but honestly in the, my role is like, you know, in partnerships, it's, I'm able to bring our partners on and then just sort of, again, it, because message years is a different parent. It's a paradigm shift in the way that marketing tools work. It's even just trying to, I'm trying to be like, you know, have put some more thought leadership on out there on how your marketing tools can work and, you know, how, how we fit into this little marketing world of so many marketing tech uh, oh, yes. tools out there. So. <laughs> that lands, landscape of doom. I know it's like everyone talks about that graphic and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we talk about that graphic one more time. <laughs> yeah. It's not a landscape. It's like continents and soon will be a universe of MarTech. So so true. Um, one question we ask all of our guests uh, to answer is, how do you remain happy and successful in your career? And how do you find the balance between all the things you're working on and, and staying happy in real life? Yeah, um, I am. I love my calendar. I put everything on there. Um, it's like in all the fun things too. So like I, you know, if I'm looking at a day, I'm like, woof, that's going to be a doozy, but I can also see like, Oh, tomorrow we're going to karaoke, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I, I look at it all the time and when it can be like overwhelming, um, I think it's important to like schedule all the fun. And mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody knows me, like I have a very busy work schedule, but also very busy, like fun social life. And I, I like fill up I think it's kind of a leftover of living in like New York where you do something like after work all the time, even if it's just like going to a workout class with a friend or something like that. It's like you, you fill up your day with work and you fill up your nights and weekends with all your friends and family and fun. I live close to my family now. I like joke that like I can walk to their houses. It's like a little too close for comfort, but <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing. And yeah, I think just being able to like schedule out the, the fun and then how to like stay happy as well as, I know I keep saying this, but like, I just like volunteer myself for the fun. Like, I think I usurped the presidency of our culture club at message gears. Like <laughs> it wasn't like a full coup because I'm not sure the current president was like really wanting to do it anymore. And I, I was like, uh, I, I will do this. So I also like plan a lot of fun for our company and plan happy yeah. hours, field days, give back days. Um, literally planning that right now. I think we're going to go 
do some work with Trees Atlanta. And like, that makes me so happy. Um, doing March Madness, but this year, which I'm so, never mind. But actually, I'm like, <laughs> we're gonna do a women's bracket and a men's bracket. And oh, like, yes, we're yes. all, I was like, I can't believe we've never done the women's bracket. I'm crazy. <laughs> How did I miss this? Anyway, so I do still like, I just plan the fun. So. That's amazing. Amazing answer. This is a super fun conversation. Uh, India, thanks so much for uh, taking the time walking us through message here as your past conversations, your past lives at, at Memoir. I think that your background is super interesting for a lot of our audience. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, more episodes coming out on, on Message Gals. Really curious to follow the continued growth there. Yes. Thanks, Phil and John. This was so fun and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Awesome.